0: across the planet the deep breath before the start. the Premier League returns this week be still my beating heart the fans upon the terraces and the world's biggest name strain upon the slips from St Mary's to St James and so the chaos begins again that roller coaster ride is crashing in comes that inevitable football tide prepare for goosebumps down your arms and shivers down your back it's time ladies and gentlemen the Premier League is back let's start with the Champions because City saw it through and then added a veritable goal machine to their glorious football crew. Erling Haaland, Terminator in the Citizen Sky Blue. A terror in waiting for defenders, if we're telling true. And Liverpool on the chase didn't need a revolution, but added Carvalho and Darwin for their latest evolution. Chelsea under new ownership, it's been a strange old time, but added Sterling and Koulibaly. Under Tuchel, they'll be fine. Conte's rang the changes over at Spurs on the lane, back in Europe, back in business with a locked in Harry Kane. And Arteta's Arsenal might be the most exciting team around. Is this far? Finally, the time they haul themselves back up to higher ground. It's total football season with Ten Hag at United. Pre-season vibes got Old Trafford real excited. West Ham gets Kamaka and Villa strengthened too. A fascinating time if you're attached to Claret and Blue. Over on Tyneside, the anticipation's clear. Tuned on the up is the feeling for this year. New faces in the dugout, not too many of them. Brighton, Leicester and Saints stick with their tried and tested men. Jesse has Leeds pressing a Red Bull on the White Rose, whilst Vieira has Palace dream that their youngsters are on the right roads. Brentford turned atheist, a Christian departed, but no one's doubting Thomas, frankly, the way that they started. Talking of Frank, Everton have had a weird pre-season talking about survival, negative, or a voice of reason. And Wolves need resurgence, although solid under large. Dreaming of Europe once again, can they reignite their charge? Finally, the new boys in two will feel well versed. Bournemouth and Fulham try once more to escape that yo-yo curse Well, after 23 years away, Nottingham Forest, welcome back. The spending spree's been a big one. Can they make it click in attack? So strain upon the whistle, every great story has a start and let the ups and downs begin to palpitate your heart. Once more into the madness, once more into the throng, once more into the terraced world of cheer and groan and song. Once more into the pleasure, once more into the pain the premier league is back ladies and gentlemen once again
1: Woo! Hey, here he is, he's back. What else he's is back? back. Bones are
0: back. <laughs> Welcome to Ranks FC, ladies and gentlemen. Hello to the entire Rank Squad. We are into the second of our five preview episodes that are gonna formulate across your podcast feed over the next two weeks. And it's a big one. My name is Jack Collins, and I will be your host today. And joining me is the rank god, Mr. Samtai. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. How are we? Good. Good. That was good. nice. It felt it felt good to be back in, it in the mode.
1: Yeah. It's old school, isn't it? It's a bit old school. Yeah,
0: we'll uh, we'll have some more. We'll have some at the end of the transfer window in, uh, as well. So uh, we're gonna Love try and that. keep them occasional this year, but uh, but we've we've had a, a few months away, so it felt mm. like the right time to uh, to return into poetic verse to get things started. Um talking of getting things started, we are not going to do things we love today because this is going to be a big episode. We're just going to go straight into this, Sam, and uh, I'll hand over to you to kind of explain what we're going to get going on here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's time to preview the Premier League. It's time to talk about the big kickoff uh, finally, although to be fair, even though I say finally, it did feel like pre-season kind of flew by at points, but uh, mm. here you go. Anyway, in line with with what we've already kind of established this week in our kind of uh, preview fortnight We're going to be, or I I have split the table into five different tiers. So rather than do like a one to 20, which is really quite difficult. And I I think to an extent, a bit of a fool's errand when there's so much of the transfer window to go. um, We're going to group the teams into tiers and we're going to go from bottom upwards. So reverse order to what our friend John McKenzie did on Monday for the Bundesliga preview where he went from the champions down. We're going to start from the bottom and I'm ready if you are Jack.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we will obviously have a five by five episode at the end of the transfer window that will roll us into the season once everything is kind of done and dusted and that door has been shut. And we've had a little chance to experiment with with the teams that we're interested in and see how how we feel about them after a couple of weeks play. Um, so there will be a five by five where we'll all be ranking our top fives of the top five leagues in Europe. So there is going to be that element of picking uh, and predicting. But for now, I think it's good to just get things into an order and, and see where we think teams currently stand.
2: Yeah. I think we can group them together quite nicely. And I think we can start with, uh, with tier five um, mm. and uh, you know, the three promoted clubs naturally feature in this tier Um Bournemouth would probably be my pick right now for last spot if I if I had to pick one. Um, not a massive fan of Scott Parker, and I'm sure I'll get some nodding heads from my co-hosts. And I think he has a, gen, a, a pretty weak squad, probably the weakest uh, squad in terms of talent. Um, and I think it will be end up looking like the weakest squad at the end of the transfer window. Fulham are right here with them, unfortunately. Uh, and I can hand that straight over to you guys. But if you don't sign the defence, you guys are going down. Um, so I really hope that you do sign the defence because I don't really want you to go down. I like it when you guys have fun. Um, uh, but really, ultimately... Which, which is
0: normally called being in the championship. Yeah. I think these days. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, but Marco Silva, you know, he keeps saying, you know, don't, don't say I'm angry. Um, but he should be really angry. He uh, it cuts it's a
0: frustrated a- figure is how I'd put it.
2: Yeah, you've. You, I heard Archie on on Fulhamish Jack. You know he summed it up really well. You guys know that you 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 knew that you were coming up in February, March. Like yeah, it was, blatantly well, March was ob- locked. Yeah, blatantly obvious by the new year and locked pretty much in March. And you've done so little. And I know that it's not necessarily fair to say, well, look, Forest have signed twelve. Why can't we sign twelve? It's not really necessarily how it works, but. Forrest came up through the playoffs, they had less time to prepare, had two, would have been working off two different shortlists, have to start making those calls much, much later. Um, so I don't see where Fulham's excuse is, and I don't understand why it has taken this long.
1: Well, the the excuse is that the, the players that we're trying to sign for the defence are Premier League players, um, and that is what's taking so long and why Fulham... Have not managed a breakthrough because when you try to sign players from Premier League clubs, it's it's harder, it's more expensive. Um, basically, that's it. It's more expensive is <laughs> the, it's the <laughs> ultimate thing, and they'll they'll try to to drive the price up. And um, Fulham don't want to play over the odds, and unfortunately, you kind of have to. And so far, they've resisted doing it. Eventually, going to have to cave in. Um, whether that's spending 20 million on, on Issa Diop, then, then so be it. They've obviously looked at like Eric Bailly. They've looked at Malang Sarr, They've looked at various players, uh, Vestergaard at, at Leicester, uh, who's actually quite cheap, I think. I think he's around, available around about 12 million. There's a reason um, for that. Maybe, but he wasn't. It wasn't a mug at Southampton, was he? Like, no, he just. Was, it, it, the only really seen good. him
0: perform well in 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 three man defence. Really good, he's like got a turning circle of the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. a really good. Once it sunk. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's I mean, fine, it,
1: but yeah, like ultimately, that's been the problem. And you know, if we get burned Leno over the line, which seems to be taking it forever, but keeps seemingly stepping a little bit closer. So if you get Leno in goal, that's helpful. Um, and then you have to sign two centimeters, as it stands. Yeah, we deserve to be uh, in any bottom three that is predicted because um, Tim Ream's going to be starting the season. And... Tim Ream, bit of a Fulham cult hero for what yeah, he's managed to achieve in his Tim time Reed there. Like, yeah, like no problem with him like being around the squad and stuff. Um, but really, really hoped he wouldn't be in our starting lineup against Liverpool on the Saturday. Um, that does scare me. Even if Nunes starts, he might score. So um, <laughs> here we go. D, here we go again. Sorry, sorry. Just a little snipe, a little snipe.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're at, really. Well, look, I, I mean, I take why. I take the point, but ultimately, if you you know, if you want to be, if you're trying to be a bit stingier, don't want to pay over the odds, and then c- come up with nothing, and then end up paying over the odds a month later. All you did was waste a month. All you did was miss yeah. season. Don't get these players in in time to gel, in time to coordinate, and that is a, that is a waste of time. So it's it's a tough situation to be in. That Forest have signed twelve players. Um, and getting them to gel is going to be really tough. This yeah. goes one of two ways. I think they have to be in this bottom tier of of six teams. Um, mm. And then moving away from the newly promoted guys, there are three existing Premier League teams who I think need to be considered in this area as well. Everton are still in this. Um, they've lost which is which is a big problem. They've signed Burnley's best players, which isn't a bad start to recovering, but I still feel they're probably a little bit short and I guess you could maybe even argue they're still weaker than they were last year given Richarlison was so good for them. Yeah, i Le- tell you they're
0: definitely weaker than they, are, they were last year. I, yeah. I think until you find someone, I like Dwight McNeil a lot, but until you find someone to, you know, kind of chip in with the creativity and, and work rate that he had. And I like McNeil as a fit at Everton, but I don't think that immediately replaces Richarlison. I don't think those two no. players are comparable quality. I mean, as it stands,
2: it looks like maybe the plan is that Delhi Ali replaces Richarlison and and, and the Delhi Alley revival project is 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 basically the key to success, which is a very dicey situation to be in. We know that Delhi is a support striker, you know, off Calvert Lewin. The Delhi of old, you know, that's a perfect role for him. It really is. Um and he could work really well off Calvert Lewin, but like, you know, I need to see it to believe it. So Everton's still in this in this bucket, along with Leeds, who I think are going to ship goals, which is never a good starting point. You know, if you think a team is going to leak goals, then you can't possibly be that confident in them doing much. And unless Southampton sign a marquee forward, like a really good one, I don't think I can put them in the tier above. So there's your six, Bournemouth, Fulham, Forest, the promoted teams, Everton, Leeds, Southampton. I and mean, if you look at last year's table, it makes a fair amount of sense, I guess. Um, the two teams, Everton and Leeds, that were right in it up until the final stretch. Southampton, who were hovering just above and the three, promoted size, but I don't think this tier, this like legitimately should be worried about relegation tier has ever been as big as six. I think it's usually about four.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'd you know agree. What? I'm
1: going to say on Leeds, like, I don't know, I, I agree. They might concede a few goals, but I think they're going to be so much better than they were at the end of last season. And in pre-season, there's been some really good signs. The thing that I think gives Leeds a really good chance is that they've got a good chance of a strong start to the season. And, you know, they've got Wolves, Southampton, Brighton. Everton, uh, Brentford and Nottingham Forest, the only tough game they've got in between all that, they've got Chelsea the third game, but like all the others are like teams that are going to be in and around them. I think it's a perfect way for Jesse Marsh to get this side's confidence up from last season. I mean, Brendan Aronson looks great so far and what he's bringing to the side. Um, I know that he um, Marsh just seems so much happier with what he has. Obviously, they've lost Rafinha, but they're, they're doing their best to find ways to replace him. I actually think Leeds might have a good season. And by good, I mean like not being in the relegation scrap and being towards
0: towards mid-table. Um, it's an interesting position. one, isn't it? Because it, that that start can go one of two ways. Like obviously, you want, but if if it doesn't go well to begin with right? You know, just, let's just say that, and and look, this has happened to Fulham. I've watched it in action. You know, there've been games where you're like, these are the games we needed to pick up points in and we haven't like quite early doors. Mm. And if you're then looking at that and then, you know, after it comes out, you can imagine that the other side of that, you know, just before the world cup probably is, you know, four or five tricky games in a row against, you know, teams that we think are going to be good this season. That's, could be very very difficult if you haven't got off to the start you want it's a kind of like half and half if you start with really tricky games right if you have like four of the top six in the first six weeks you're kind of like these are almost free hits to let ourselves get into the you know the rhythm and, and, and allow us to kind of transfer window to work through things before we have games that are on paper more winnable um but equally you can find yourself adrift very quickly and that's a worry too
2: it's all yeah. fair logic, Dean, but I don't believe a word of it. I think really you're just carrying on your trend of being at the polar opposite of me on anything Leeds. The whole time Bielsa was there, you predicted doom and now I've flipped. You're going positive. I can see right through your ploy. But there was doom under Bielsa and it ended <laughs> and then it
1: continued. And they now were top off. They were top signed. off
2: and then they avoided relegation. I don't know I'm what you're seeing, on about. <laughs> I'm,
1: seeing, um, I'm seeing good things for Leeds in these, in these early weeks of the season. I really am. I think that... I think they're going to get off to a good start.
2: Okay. Sinisterra hadn't done his hamstring in pre-season. I'd feel a bit happier, but I'm not there, unfortunately. But that is is the bottom tier. So I can move us on to tier four, if you like.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good idea.
2: Okay. I think we start here with Brentford, who, uh, in the words of Jack Collins, over and over again, have done really smart business this summer. Pretends to be shocked. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They have a really solid base to build on, and they're buying good players. I think they're adding smartly not overpaying for players and that they're just kind of picking up the right sort of profile the right sort of players at the right sort of stage of their careers Um, and I think they're going to be they're going to be safe this season Um, I'm going to put I'm going to lump Wolves in with Brentford who have been really inactive in the market and Raul Jimenez is now injured for the start of the season and you do wonder about what a bad start in terms of results could do for Wolves but they do have a Premier League quality side so I'm never going to be putting them in that tier five surprisingly I've also put Leicester in here who I think until like three weeks ago I would have had as a top half option but I'm just absolutely well and truly perplexed as to what on earth is going on with Leicester I don't think you can prepare for a season any worse Um, they've made no signings as we keep saying Uh, Kasper Schmeichel is is moving to Nice you know the captain of the club Uh, Brendan Rodgers is talking about you know, the opportunity for Danny Ward to step into that breach. There was a link today to Alex McCarthy. Can I just say to Leicester City as an entity, um, I don't understand why you're so obsessed with buying all of the players you beat 9-0. Because between Vestagord, Ryan Bertrand and potentially Alex McCarthy and Southampton's head of recruitment... I don't understand why you keep picking off these individuals. Um, you beat them 9-0 once. They're not good enough to play for you. Um, and on top of that, Leicester are dealing with what? Constant rumours about T elements. Potential stuff about Jamie Vardy. Potential stuff about James Madison and Tottenham.
0: This is, this is not and the Newcastle. way it's And Newcastle. And Newcastle. And and, Kasper, yeah, yeah. and and yeah, and Michael gone. Well, he's well. This would mean, when Michael gone, it means that Jamie Vardy is the last player left in his squad from from that famous season, which is kind of mad. It, um, is, but it was it was six years ago. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, full turns, full squad turnover in six years is a lot. It's true, true, true.
2: I just, I just don't get it, and I, I feel like Leicester should be, should be in that top half conversation. But right now, I look at the way it's gone, and I, I just can't see it. And then we come to the sort of rosier stories to finish out this area, which it, which are Palace and Brighton, who I have also held out of the top ten. I know there are lots of people out there that would have at least one of these guys in, um, in that area, um, but it's, it's top half feels like a stretch for Palace post Conor Gallagher. I like the Czech DeCore signing. But I don't think he's I don't think he's enough to genuinely replace Conor Gallagher. I don't think he'll replace the goals. And while I do love the trajectory Palace are on, just staying still would be an achievement for them, given they're in full rebuild mode still. Um, and Brighton solid enough. Cookeray is going to leave, and that's going to hurt. Let's see what happens there. Question marks up front: Is Deniz and Dav going to get going to get the nod? Is it Neil Murphy? Like who knows? Um, again, Brighton feel pretty solid there. But I, I've seen people talking about eighth, possibly seventh for either of these two. And I'm not quite there with them. I think they're too solid and steady for that.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you, you look at Palace and Brighton and, and, and Palace in particular, who I really like and have really enjoyed watching play football. And it's quite hard sometimes, I think, to to and actually I'd, I'd maybe say this for both teams. You know, it's quite hard to see teams you're like, you're doing things well, you're doing things in a you know in a good manner, I like your business, et cetera, et cetera. Let's not go over the top with it. Mm. And 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 that's a kind of funny place to be for these, for these two, because they both feel like they are I- I- in a period, and, and maybe Brighton have felt like this for a long time, but you know, bear in mind where these two clubs have have been and in the in the last sort of decade. Um, and you're looking at you know, two teams who have been either, you know, in the championship for, for, for spells or been in the bottom half of the Premier League for long spells. And you're kind of at that point being like, hmm, where, you know, what the, the progress is going to be slow. And, uh, you know, as much of that as anything is about the teams who are, you know, slightly bigger and have more capacity for for spending money on signings and, and have all of those things to their advantage. And these are two clubs who focused quite heavily on youth. You've, you've brought in some clever signing. There's analytics going on at Brighton. We've seen this kind of revolution uh, under Vieira at Palace and all of it's good and all of it I like. But I don't know if that's enough to force you into the top 10 of the Premier League this year because there is so many teams in that conversation on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, year on year progress does not necessarily translate into points tallies um, and therefore positions. It just doesn't work like that. Like Palace and Byron feel like they're both taking steps forward, but that probably comes in uh, despite the fact that they they probably stand still. And it's just one of those things. And it, like, e- we even talked about this last year. Do you remember when, uh, you know, Man United finished second the year before? And then I was like, well, you know, they've made some, you know, they signed Ronaldo and Varane. And you said, right, where are they going to finish? And yeah. Sancho. And where are they going to finish? Fourth. But that's two down from where they were last year. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. This is how the Premier League is it's tough you can get better and finish worse and 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 a lot of teams do and and that could be well where these two end up at this point yeah it's an interesting one I I kind of wanted to touch on on this kind of middle ground here and 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 Wolves in particular obviously you know we've talked about Leicester there a little bit the fact that they are the only team yet to sign anyone is is one thing and and you look at Wolves and we've seen a change in shape in in pre-season and kind of how this looks to them it is it, going to be is going to be a very interesting thing, and it, I do wonder if Bruno Large doesn't get off to a good start here. If he's going to be the first play first person in trouble a little bit, because you you look at this side and you know they tried that switch to four at the beginning of last season. It didn't hugely work. They went back to five. Everything kind of happened a bit in a way that melt it feel a bit better and, and wolves conceded very few goals but when it came to the sharp end of the season and you know go back wind back to february wind back to march we were talking about wolves you know being the that really? team that's hardest to beat no no, no I'll, I'll make my own claim in a minute but we were talking <laughs> about wolves being one of the hardest teams to beat in the premier league um yeah now i took that way too far i was like look they're, they're the most consistent they're going to get in the top four it was nonsense i agree um but <laughs> You look at it and you think, okay, they were in a place there that when they had the opportunity to kick on and look, even if, you know, Top 4 was obviously a mad shout, but you you look at where they should should have finished from where they were in sort of March in a European spot, I think. Like, I genuinely believe that they had the capacity to do that. They didn't have other constraints on the side. They weren't faced with a variety of fronts they were playing on, whereas a lot of their competitors here were. And then you're going, okay, well, how did that fall away at that part of the season if... If if there wasn't all these other factors to bring in, and, and the reason was that they couldn't score goals, and, and and that was a really strange thing. And you look at this summer and you think, okay, if Raul Jimenez is going to be out for long periods, and, and I know that Fabio Silva didn't have a great year last year, but he was brought in to be this backup, he's gone away now on loan to to Andelect. And you're going, well, who steps into this void if Raul Jimenez is injured for, for long periods again? And I don't know, Wolves have a lot of question marks for me. I've seen people put them into this relegation struggle. I think that might be a bit too far, but uh, I do think that if it doesn't start well, we could see serious upheaval at Molyneux.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything on that. I'm very, very wary of um, what their start is going to be like. I mean, I guess it backs up the reason why I fancy Leeds to have a good start because they're playing against them. Um, I think that's a nice place for, for a side to give themselves a confidence boost if you can. I mean, a, a win over Wolves would, would set them back and push you forward and, and you're kind of looking to, com, to compete for similar spots in the end. So yeah, Wolves will probably prove us wrong a little bit because they, they've got players in there still um, that I thought would have moved on by now. You know, Neves, um, possibly Matinho who ended up staying. Um, but yeah, the lack of
2: Jimenez for the start of the season could be significant. We're we'll looking at maybe Huang Hee-chan, Daniel Pedersen. Uh, Pedro oh, yeah. Neto. I mean, like, actually, I I, I love all three players. Yeah, um, they're they're all really good. It's just that, um, it's about the court. Like, who 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 can step into the void? And yeah, it's been a bit concerning. But I mean, look, as we know, Jack Nathan Collins can just do it all by himself. Beat six yes, players. Score. So maybe that's the back. Maybe that's the
0: plan. Nathan Collins up front. Get Nathan Collins into the areas where he's really dangerous, um, and 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 you'd be unstoppable this season. Um, absolutely right. Well, I suppose that kind of takes us to vaguely the halfway stage. I know you've done eleven. There's nine teams left, but it feels like that's the natural break, Sam, in the in the tier system. So after the break, we're going to be talking about the moves and shakers higher up in the Premier League table. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time to talk about those teams who are dreaming of Europe next season. Sam, back to you.
2: Yeah, tier three time, and there's three clubs in this little cluster. Uh, West Ham, who pretty much a guaranteed top half team. They've done an amazing job of building something pretty sustainable here. It's very hard to isolate exactly where they are going to end up, whether they can challenge for sixth, whether seventh is their limit, or maybe whether they slip below seventh and don't qualify for Europe next year. And it all depends on one thing, doesn't it? How far they go in the Europa Conference League, which is a competition that they can win It's a competition that they should absolutely put full energy into and see if they can do it. They got really close to the Europa League last season. The Conference League is ever so slightly easier. I mean, you're not avoiding all the big guns. The the final last year was, of course, Feyenoord against Roma. It's pretty much European royalty. But that's something that West Ham could and should really focus on post-Christmas. And that obviously has an effect on their ability to churn through Premier League games. So, West Ham feel like the perfect example as to why I break it down into tiers rather than do a one to 20, because it completely and utterly depends on whether or not they're flying to Slovenia in February or whether they're not, whether they're out of it. So let's see on West Ham, but a top half finish for sure. And we'll see depending on the conference league. I'm going to put Newcastle in this little cluster as well. They do need to regenerate the momentum they established at the end of last season, but hey they look like a really strong team. They've made some excellent signings in 2022. And when was the last time we talked about Newcastle in the Premier League context and weren't even remotely concerned about relegation? It must have been a long time ago. 98, yeah. 99.
0: <laughs> 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 remember that season of podcast we did? Yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> this call back to the, to the glory days. Um, <laughs> me as a, as a toddler, um, hosting <laughs> a podcast about Newcastle, not, um, not succeeding, yeah. but um, yeah, no, that's it, isn't it? It's a, uh, obviously the the goalposts have changed in some ways because the the entire thing is is separate to what we were looking at some time ago. But yeah, well you know, I, I'd be interested to find out what you know Newcastle's expectation is. are are they going to be pushing for a European spot? Is that what the fans expect this season? or is it just we are slowly moving ourselves into the conversation and and, and kind of getting to those places? because I suppose that kind of determines whether that's a success or not? Yes, I guess so. Um, I mean, they're
2: probably hoping for a marquee signing an attack to really confer- or rubber stamp the um, the European charge, I'd imagine, Dino. Like they- They're probably targeting something like that. And maybe without that, the fans aren't quite getting so carried away yet. But I guess there's scope for that to change across August, isn't there? Yeah, exactly that. Like,
1: we've obviously seen go for Madison. Um, if you're looking for a creator, someone that can do something special, like if they don't get Madison, like... I don't know. They might, they've liked Ross Barkley, so they might even just go for someone like him if they, that all falls through. Like, they, they'll, I think they'll get a creator behind there of some sort, but they obviously want a forward um, who is proven, We've talked loads of times about how they would like Calvert Lewin. They haven't really, they haven't gone for it because ultimately I think Everton will price him out of it. I was told that basically Newcastle have a budget of about 70 million for, for two players. You see, at the moment, they're bidding like 40 ish million for Madison, which wouldn't give you the budget to then go and land Calvert Lewin. So um, it's also not maybe not for Madison. So it's, it's, it's not enough for Madison at the moment either. Yeah, exactly that. I'm not sure Madison actually wants to go there. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But. They definitely are trying to jump a couple of tiers in this table because, um, and and rightly so, based on the fact that they
0: and they have done, according to Sam, to be fair, because they 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 literally
1: have last year they
2: were in the very bottom tier, yeah,
1: and they deserved to be at the start of last season. And Then in the second half of the season, it all turned around for them as the signings started arriving, Mm. and they are now stronger than they were at the end of last season in terms of you know Sven Botman, obviously particularly, is an unbelievable get in this market. Um, I I think they could they could challenge that top seven. I don't know if they'll make it, but they could m-
2: challenge the top set, like making it in there. Yeah, I mean, what's spurring the optimism, surely, is that not only have they made great signings and picked up some really good players this year, you know, Brunig and, and those guys, the reinvention of Joel Linton, Nick Pope, you know, pretty cheap considering. Um, and obviously Sven Bottman coming in, but like all the players Eddie Howe inherited are all playing better as well. You know, it meant that, You've got things like, you know, you've got that like Emil Kraft signed a new two-year deal. I was speaking to one of our, our patrons, Billy, about this a couple of a couple of days ago as like Emil Kraft. Not really the play you want, you know, if you're stepping up the levels, but you know, he's actually been pretty solid since Eddie Howe came in. You can say that about pretty much all of the players. And they're now building a squad with some depth to it. And ultimately they probably are that forward away or that or that that just that attacking X Factor piece from from really genuinely cracking into the next tier. But they're here. They're a, they're a top off um, contender, I think, um, and they sit with West Ham and they sit with Aston Villa, I think, as well, who complete this little tier of three, who have gone out and signed players that I, I genuinely believed was would be beyond uh, their reach. You know, Bubakar Kamara, who Man United should have signed for their midfield. Diego Carlos has spent the last three years starting for a Champions League club. He's won a Europa League. What what is he doing at Aston Villa? I don't I don't really understand what's going on there. But Gerrard's in charge. They've got a really talented team: Coutinho, <laughs> Jacob Ramsey. Uh, I mean, Emi Martinez. There's some really good players here. I think maybe what sold me on putting them in this tier though is making this very big call on Tyrone Mings. Um, it, it all signs point to Tyrone Mings being dropped who has been essentially the biggest weakness at Villa for the last year, year and a half. He makes a lot of errors and it costs them and it's a problem. And the easiest way to upgrade this team would be to remove those errors. Now, whether or not the answer is Diego Carlos, I don't know who is a bit like prime Pepe in his um, somewhat erratic behavior and hotheadedness at times. But um, Mm -hmm. Mings has had the captaincy removed from him, which is probably foreshadowing the idea that he's, he's no longer going to be in this team. And, a defensive line of, of Luca Dean, Diego Carlos, Callum Chambers or Esri Consa and Matt Cash. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. And I think they're a top half outlet here, especially with Coutinho pulling the strings.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's a weird one, isn't it? Because, you know, Tyron Mings, you know, we're, we're all kind of in agreement, I think, that, that Tyron Mings has been a, a wee bit of a liability for Villa of late. Um, obviously, he was excellent uh, lower down. He was an excellent championship. He was, did very well in that first season back in the premier league but of, of late has has kind of struggled i think with it kind of full stop um but when you you kind of come to it he he has done a lot of brilliant things off the field tower and mings as well and, and and captain of a club is is about more than what it is just on pitch mm. um so it was a, it was a decision that you know i'm not suggesting i disagree with it completely but it was a decision that i was a bit like oh was that completely necessary um and it seems like a funny thing to do. And, and and I agree with you in that obviously you want your captain playing every week and you, you do want someone who, who the rest of the players feel they can look to, but I don't know. I felt a little bit sorry for him. Um, it, yeah. I didn't think it was it, nice. It's because he's
2: such an amazing human being. It's just 100 times harder to do this to him. Um, mm. But I do, I do think that your captain needs to be a key player for you. I, I think that's, unless they're like, you know, totty at 36 which is a completely different argument. Um, I, think your key, I think your captain has to be a key man, um, and so yeah, he's he's taken the armband off Mings because I think he wants to to take him out of the first choice eleven, and I think that's that's justified. And by the way, checking in on Villa and preseason, Mings was the worst centre back of the four, so he didn't do himself any favours in terms of fighting yeah. for that that armband when it was on the line. He he was the worst of the four, and I think he might be the worst of the four on paper. So yeah, I that's kind of where they are with it. You know, it's 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 a brutal reality, but. You know Newcastle Villa, um, they're both trying to take big steps forward very very quickly, and these are the kinds of decisions—the really awkward, difficult decisions—that teams that are trying to skip up the ladder have to make every now and then. Um, and we, we, we'll see it with Newcastle in the coming in the coming years as well if they continue on this trajectory. But West Ham, Newcastle, Villa—I'm holding just outside the top six, but I think they're, all three are going to finish in the top half, and I think one of them is going to finish seventh and therefore get Europe. I just don't know which one it is.
0: <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a fair point. Fair um, uh,
2: enough. Before a ball's been kicked, to be fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Last year, my outlandish Premier League prediction before we began was that Villa would would get Europe. Um, so I'm, I'm glad. Just just a year out, apparently. Um, yeah, so we, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. <laughs> but I think there's gonna be a lot of a um, lot of debate and a lot of intrigue as to how that one plays out, mm. um, which takes us into Tier Two, Sam. Tier Two. Tier Two. Uh, it's uh, four team Tier. We
2: have Spurs. Um, who, who genuinely, I'm going to lead with them here, but if I had to pick right now, I would put them in third place in my one to 20. Um, they're a really strong team. They've added really good players. They have one of the best managers in the world. Things are looking good for Spurs right now. They really are. They might not do anything in the Champions League because Conte hates Europe, but they're looking really, really good. Um Arsenal, they're close neighbours. I mean, there's been some good competition between these two over the course of pre-season. Both have had really strong transfer windows. Both are shaping up for, I think, really good campaigns. Arsenal feel like the form team in the Premier League, despite there being literally no games played, if that even makes any sense at all. But they're coming into this season with amazing momentum, some really good signings in place. Chelsea needs to get it together. Simple as that. Um, we hoped that Chelsea would be closing the gap between themselves and Man City and Liverpool, and it was a big gap last season. And if anything, it feels like they're even further away. It's just not happening for them at the moment, but it could, of course, get it. It could improve over the course of August. But right now, fifth is more realistic than second, I think, for Chelsea because of the competition in this tier. And then you have the ultimate wildcard, Manchester United. I've just written the words, who knows? Genuinely, Who knows?
0: Because Mm, who knows? Yeah. Good analysis.
2: Who knows? It could be sixth. It could be fifth. It could be fourth. It could be third. I can see any of those possibilities depending on all sorts of things. Ronaldo, Frankie, Martial, the players listening to Ten Hag, the the consistency, the determination, the intensity, how they battle a European campaign in the Europa League. All these factors... I don't know, but this is my tier of four here, and it is a separate tier from the top two. I think mm. I, I think that's the that's the key point. I do not consider these four teams to be in the same tier as the others. Yeah. So the Tottenham
1: thing, like I've been thinking this too about. Like, so they've got all the they've got the six pl- signings that they wanted to make, and then someone said to me the other day, "Yeah, but what difference are they going to make actually to Tottenham season, considering they came fourth last year?" And I've actually. I have reassessed how I feel about this a little bit right now and I do still feel that they are lacking something because Longley, as a defensive signing, he wasn't their first choice, far from it. They've ended up with him and I don't know how good he is anymore, to be honest. The fact Barcelona have let him go Tells me, yeah, but they're just trying he's to. He's not a Champions League player. Wage bill, wage bill, wage
2: bill. Um, isn't it? I mean, Longley's no, had, of course, has,
0: everything Barcelona with a right? Yeah, I mean, um, look,
2: Longley's had a nice, a nice start to preseason, but it's just pre-season and it's been a long time since Clement Longley played. Like we know, he, he probably can. won't. He won't start the season, probably, right? I spoke to someone. They said, they said Ben Davis will probably start left sided centre back at the start of the season. Um, um, and if, lose, I guess. And, and if he's not, if he's not quite fit enough for it, Davinson Sanchez has played loads of left centre back in preseason. He has, yeah, he, he hasn't has really suit him bless him but um, he has played I think played Perisic it. might be
1: the only new signing that actually starts at the weekend and it, which is quite interesting because Conte actually said about him the other day this isn't the Perisic I recognise there's a long way still to go basically um, <laughs> that's classic I was Conte. Like, oh, that, that's, is, that's cool that is classic um, Conte. I do he... think he'll be good
2: but <laughs> mm. I, I th- don't know you know I, I think, don't know Like, I do think the Perisic comment is 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 geared towards fitness levels yeah I mean, they got the signing for the door well early and yet he didn't play a part for a while. He was, like We didn't no, see him yeah. in the first few 11s. I wonder if it was more fitness related. It might be, um, yeah. But Conte it, once famously right. said, Perisic can't play wing back. Um, yeah. He doesn't have the fitness levels for it. And then Perisic proved that he did. So Conte does this, doesn't he? Yeah, it's true. And okay, so the other things
1: to consider are like Son, obviously, unbelievable season last year and the year before, to be honest. Is that his level he continues or did he overperform both Mm -hmm. years and can't possibly do that for another year? I don't know. Maybe he is genuinely like that superstar status and and will do that again. I don't know. Harry Kane probably will score more goals than he did last season. So you get that out of him. I don't know they can improve on four is probably where I'm at. They seem to be trying to sign Zaniolo at the moment, which is...
2: I don't like this.
0: I don't like it either because I don't know if there's space. Yeah, I don't really
2: get it. I don't know where he's playing. I saw a really, really concerning report that Conte is looking at him as a potential wing-back, which makes me feel physically oh, no, ill. Oh, physically ill, yeah. yeah. He's got loads. He's got loads of wing-backs. It's not even
0: that. It's not, not imagine <laughs> the idea of playing Zaniolo in a position that demands that much physical activity. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Please. No, thank um, you. Hmm.
1: And then on the Man United thing, I'm actually... So obviously, i got MuTV for pre-season just because it was the. It's been really hard to watch pre-season generally, like, yes, hasn't it? Has, it? Like, yeah. it, it has been one of the hardest years I can remember
2: to get a grasp on all to the be, top teams. These games used pre- to be on Sky Sports. These about Barclays they like Asia over. Trophy in Singapore. Sky Sports would cover it. The Sky Sports and you'd have Premier Sports. The clubs, you'd have... the clubs appear to have retained all of the rights to their own pre-season stuff and then put it all behind a paywall. So to watch they it all, do. you've got to have like twenty-five subscriptions. Exactly, and. Um,
1: Man United's games just happened to be quite well-timed that I thought, oh, I could actually probably watch most of them. So for the £6, it's probably worth it. And I've watched, yeah, three games, I think, maybe four. Um, what I've actually noticed, though, is just at times when I've had the TV on is I've seen all these interviews that I would never have seen. And they're with people like Steve McLaren talking about Ten Hag. And actually, it's been really, really interesting to understand like the philosophy behind it all and... Steve McLaren is like, okay, he can, the wally with the brolly, whatever. He's been a bit of a joke figure at times, but he's also been a top-level coach for a long, long, long time. He was part of Man United's like most successful team, basically. And the way he talks about Ten Hag is really interesting. Like, He's like, this guy has the overall vision, and then he basically gives us all roles to carry it out. And if we don't carry it out well enough, we hear about it very quickly. He's not afraid. To, you hear about him telling off the players, we get exactly the same thing. So I can't remember how you pronounce his name. Mitchell van der Gaag, is that it? Is that is that how you pronounce the name of the other assistant? G A A G is. I don't sure how you pronounce oh, that in Dutch, God. but um, I might be a really, really big mouth for that. I'll call him Mitch, right? <laughs> Mi- <laughs> Mitch Mertz. <laughs> Mitch basically planned the tra- plans the sessions that um to carry out the overall vision of Ten Hag. And um Steve McLaren has like been seemingly really, really won over by this vision. And he's talking about stepping into the dressing room and seeing like a team that he goes, I usually recognise when a team is heading in the dire- right direction. And I'm I'm not just saying it's I like genuinely feel that there's something about this side. And I think also by like bringing in things like Benny McCarthy, that seems so random that Benny McCarthy is suddenly a forward coach at Man United. What a great person for like Rashford, Martial, Sancho to be learning from, right? Like he, this guy was like one of the best and such I a good Benny guy McCarthy. as well. Yeah. Like <laughs> such a top guy and he's going to bring fun to the place as well. So I think that like the sorts of profiles that, that Ten Hag's brought in behind the scenes has been as important to him as the players he's trying to bring into that team. Obviously he hasn't got the de Jong that you want and the forward that you want to finish off this puzzle in time for the season to start by the looks of things as we recalled this. But um, yeah, I just think if he does get those two players, then United do make the top four. If they don't, then I'm, I'm not sure yeah. they'll be able to. But if they do, I, th- I think they'll make it. So that's where I'm
2: at with it's it. Good. I like the, the, you know, moving on to sort of the, the backroom stuff, which, which do play a huge, hugely important yeah. part. Um, And to sort of, you know, level with you on the Man United Tottenham thing, for example, Tottenham have brought in, you know, Italy's most famous set piece coach. And Mm -hmm. he's got a ridiculous book of like a thousand different plays. And I'm expecting quite a big uptick in in the set piece game from Tottenham. And it's these little, what seem like quite small differences that can actually end up creating a sort of like a seven point margin on what you would have done. Seven points can take you from fifth to third in this kind of landscape. So it does make it very, very difficult if uh, all the top clubs are getting smart and doing their jobs. And let's be honest, every single one of them, except for Chelsea right now, are being run pretty exceptionally. Uh, either either by the manager or by the coaching staff or, or in terms of recruitment chelsea have those question marks i don't really know if it's going to get resolved so i am holding them holding them back from that top yeah. 2 when really coming into the summer you'd think that they were the most likely to jump yeah. into that top tier i still think
1: that their their starting 11 is stronger than tottenham and man united so they've got the the best chance of of staying in there and you know making some sort of challenge towards the top 2 and by the time you know the season's underway. That they'll have added two or three. I mean, they're signing, trying to sign Cucurella as we record this, and seemingly agreed personal terms. Not sure exactly where he fits into Chelsea. Um, that could be a left centre back, to be fair. It could be, but with, a, does, with a, is, a, is that not wasted?
2: It's not wasted. I, I guess I don't um, like it at all, Greg. I just
1: don't. I don't understand it. Like the, there's a lot of other people you could S- buy left centre back. It's just a lot of money
2: to spend on a backup left back.
1: Yeah. They must, anyway, take, um, they
2: must want to take it really slow with Chilwell.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a strange one, but then yeah, there are more pieces. I just think that like Chelsea, while preseason definitely hasn't gone that well, their starting eleven still really, really strong. I'm seeing Kula and Raheem Sterling's are like top, top level yeah. additions. Yeah,
2: yeah, fair enough. I might be, I might be uh, distracted by the pre-season carnage but uh, that's what that's what that's why we uh that's why we do the 5 by 5s after the window closes and we get a little uh, little idea for it but look I'll move us on to the top tier and finish this off the top tier is if you haven't figured out who these two teams are welcome up. welcome to the podcast we cover Premier League football that's England's top flight uh, traditionally dominated by Manchester City and Liverpool in recent times and again, they feel like the strongest teams. Loads of continuity in terms of the playing style and the manager and all that stuff. Few change, few important personnel changes um, that we've obviously covered in depth over the course of the summer. City have gone ahead and added goal machine, Erling Haaland. And well, in response, they've actually lost a fair bit of depth. And you know what? Coming into the season, as soon as Liverpool traded away Sadio Mane and brought in Darwin, which you know, short term does make them feel like a weaker side, I thought City have got the title nailed. But I am starting to look at the depth of City's squad and just asking a few questions. This season of all seasons, are they running it a little bit shy? And it does make for what feels like quite a level playing field once again between these two absolute titans, I think. Mm, doubts over Man City. Didn't no, not really, not proper there. doubts, but just like, you know, one of those.
1: Like mm, that caught me out a bit. I really yeah, wasn't yeah, expecting the... you to question the depth of Man City squad.
0: They haven't the got that many we players. Like, everyone was like, mm. ooh, <laughs> okay. I um, I mean, I, I think maybe you'd you'd look at this kind of wing core as and 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 obviously the left back issue, which we've seen with this whole Kukareya standoff, it does look like they're moving for Sergio Gomez now and Alex as a backup, which I don't mind, to be honest. I don't mind at all um, because it feels like for so long, and this is something that I know Diggy Critchley, a friend of this pod, talks about quite a lot, is that, you know, big teams often miss out on players by just allowing people to bring them in. You know, your Brightons, your Leicesters, et cetera, bring them in and then sell them on for three times the price three years later. Um, and it feels a bit with Sergio Gomez, I think, that you, you, they could avoid that and avoid paying 50 million for a backup left back as you know we just talked about with Chelsea by maybe getting in someone younger who's quite happy to learn and, and and become part of this squad so you look there and I think you look into into this wing core and that's where I think City probably are a little bit light on the ground you know we're talking Grealish Mares, Bernardo can play out of there Foden can play out there Cole Palmer and Alvarez, who I think is going to play a little bit more than we expect from from these wing positions, it's still quite a lot for two six man. great players. <laughs> they are mostly great, great players. They are literally great um, players.
2: It's just you know a squad like this, a team like this, is usually absolutely stacked. They've usually got one too many. If not rather than possibly one too few maybe and that I, was creating problems though May i mean maybe maybe but you know i think they've got you know five centre mids when i'd expect a team like city to have six i think they've got four or five four and a half wingers when i'd expect them to have five or six um and you know then and i was and they've got nova they've got well they've sold zinchenko and haven't really fixed that yet so that's obviously playing on my mind right now and laporte's having surgery and he's gonna miss you know august and, and maybe september and, and then you're they kept Ake, but they're down to the three centre backs. I'm like, I, I, I don't understand how, like, how they don't have enough. Or they have like four positions where they just have question marks and concerns over. But then again, I feel like they've always got into the season with a, a potentially problematic position. They've usually made do by winning the title anyway. So we'll have to see. Maybe I'm just wobbling on the opening opening week of the season and we'll have to see. Maybe by the time we do our five by fives, I'll be more confident locking them in. But when Liverpool swapped Mane for Darwin, I put City far far ahead in my mind as, as, as impending Premier League champions. And now I'm just pulling them back towards Liverpool a little bit and calling it a fight.
0: Well, I think it, mm. it, it's going to be a fight, you know. Whatever happens, because you know, last season we looked at this and City was streaming away by January, and and it was rained back in until it came down to the final minutes of the season. Never mind the final match week. Yeah. So I think that you know what we've learned from this Liverpool side is that you're an idiot if you write them off. Mm. Um, and 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 I think that it's very important to not do that early doors because yes, you can say that you know the city are the favorites to win the title and i think they are like it would be a bit odd not to put them there with the signings they've made right i think they've got stronger whereas i think that liverpool as you say short term um are potentially slightly weaker than they were last year which is fine you know that's that's not a problem it's a long-term thing that they're doing at liverpool and there's a lot of sensible planning for the future But bringing in darwin and, and fabio carvalho i don't think quite makes up for the loss of the loss of Sadio Mane—that that's fine. You know that's not that's not a major problem. It's just one of those things. You go, okay, fine, step back. I think it would take some sort of injury crisis for you know either of these teams to not be in the title race come, yeah. let's say February at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. That that's an important thing I think to think about. Um, but you know these are two of the best teams we've ever seen play football under two, you know quite widely considered the two best managers in the game. I would be it would be mad just to suggest at this point that there wasn't going to be a title race.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, also we're we're looking at um City playing with the number nine now, and that will, I think, help somebody like Jack Grealish, who who thrives off of playing with a traditional nine and with a, a focal point to aim for. I mean, you know, I've taken it back to England before and I, I loved the way that that Jack would have the outlet of Harry Kane to to whip a ball in for. And it was the the goal where he scored the diving header that Jack fired it across goal. And he'll, he'll look for that more and more. So I think we'll see Grealish step up. I think Foden will step up. I think you just see Foden's impact when he played in the Community Shield. Um, I think Foden will have a standout season. And I think like, yeah, it's... Sterling, Jesus and Zinchenko leaving is interesting. But the fact is, City were happy to let those guys leave. And not only were they happy to let them leave, they let all three join other Premier League clubs. Pep Guardiola would not be doing that if he, one, felt that he was going to miss those players and two, felt he didn't already have the capability to replace them and yet also get stronger, probably because he's got Hall and maybe also of Alvarez and Calvin mm-hmm. Phillips. But the opening match against West Ham, I think, is a, quite a tricky one, potentially. Yeah, um, but team. after that, you've got Bournemouth, Newcastle, Palace and Forest. And I think you, know, you, probably, you probably come through that spell looking at an unbeaten team. If you don't, if Man City have suffered a defeat early on in any of those games, then suddenly you are starting to question, like, all this time, you know, Pep's been asked, yeah, but don't you miss a number nine? He'll be asked... But why are you playing with a number nine? You're really good with that. <laughs> oh my god, he will get it. And it will so only be a matter up. of time. It will happen. Mm. Like the second the Man City lose a game, they'll lose one nil. And they was like, yeah, but this isn't really working with this number nine system you're playing, is it? Why don't you get um why don't you play Gundogan in there as a false nine and bring Haaland on, on for the last twenty minutes if you slow haven't scored. Can you imagine there the look will be and we'll give That reporter, there will be murders. <laughs> we'll on find out. Afraid. We'll
0: find out. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Uh, we can make that gamble. It's too. It's too much of a stress for anyone <laughs> it's a brave involved. Brave question. Um, but I think Sam, you're absolutely right. These two, are, I think, are far and away. And look, last year we talked a little bit about the fact that, and you thought, you mentioned it earlier that thought Chelsea were were closing that gap when they brought, you know, the the players they brought in last summer, and and, and Thomas Tuchel was in his first full season, obviously, that gap wasn't closed. In fact, it was probably widened. And I think that considering what we've seen, I think you're probably right in that these two are are just streets ahead of everyone else at the moment. And it feels like if anyone's going to challenge the other for the title, it's it's just between the two of them once again. Yep, yeah, yep,
2: absolutely. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it uh, might be a two-team title race once again. <laughs> that said, it's never really bad news, is it? Because they're just exhilarating at least to watch. we might get a title, you know, at least we're going to have a title race. Like, there was years gone by when we didn't even have title races.
1: So, like, in fact, we're you know we're guaranteed to have one of some sort and it's just probably going to be a two-team one. Like, that's fine. If someone else throws their, their hat in there and manages to catch up for a bit, then that's
2: brilliant.
0: Yeah. yeah well, have to, we'll just
2: have to see if Forest's new signings gel yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Or, or if fulham can bring in some center backs and then we'll be grand i think that'll be that <laughs> yeah, that'll be yeah. that um okay well well done sam very very good um a quick fire preview through the premier league i mean it's still 50 minutes but i feel like you could do <laughs> i feel like you could do hours and hours on this and we still wouldn't touch the sides on, on everything you're trying to get through uh, when you look for these full predictions so there'll be more to come obviously with uh with, with the way that the five by fives work and when we go back to talking about the best transfers of the summer i imagine all of this will feed back into this conversation but uh for now i think we've We've set ourselves out a nice stall before the Premier League returns on Friday night. After the break, we have a men of the week and the gibberish rankings don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. And Dee Jones, the floor is yours.
2: Machine gun at the ready, right? Toxic it, Dean's back. Toxic Dean, yeah. <laughs> I get really upset, by the way. I do 50 minutes of hard work on a ranking or a. And you go, right then, thanks for that, Sam. Dean, time for everyone's favourite time of the week. I think that part takes two minutes and you it's think of it. It's so demoralising. It really is.
0: Look, I, I, think, I mean, there wouldn't know,
1: be a show if you didn't do your part,
0: to be clear, Yeah, so. exactly. They wouldn't have their favourite part of the week. Mate, you build the foundations and Dean gets the cherry on the top of the cake. That's how it works. Yeah, I also here. get a
1: lot of stick in my DMs Very for true. my choices. So, um, especially a certain Nunes. But anyway worked hand in hand with this one. It's time for Melon of the Week. Uh, this week's Melon of the Week is Erling Haaland. Hey! <laughs> I
2: have to. I have to
1: do this. I have to. If I'm going to be harsh, if I'm going to batter Nunez, and I have to make fun of Haaland when he deserves it too. Um, yeah, someone on Patreon did say to us the other day, um, enjoying the return of Toxic Dean. So if that's what the people want i have to say what i see and what i saw was a horror miss from the best young striker in world football um in the community shield and, and it was holland and that obviously like it it happens it happens but like so if anyone that missed it in the community shield phil foden hit a low really good sh- uh shot actually and uh it was done to be fair it was done yeah but it was three one at the time but um doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> Phil Foden hits the shot. Adrian makes the save low. And instinctively, of course, Erling Haaland pounces just as the ball comes back onto the six-yard box. Whole goal gaping. Adrian's on the floor, like obviously making a token effort. Um, you, you're expecting him to score. Like it's an almost a no-brainer. And from six yards, Haaland tries to lift it into the, the roof of the net and he spoons it a bit too much and it hits the top of the bar. It goes over and there's this crowd reaction that's kind of disbelief shock and oh no oh no what's this what's this from this guy who's supposed to score every single chance the roar from the liverpool end was as much as i reckon the third goal (laughs) and that's it isn't it it's these little things these little mind games that do play a part in how the season is played out and obviously when when nunez got melon of the week it was based on the fact he was spooning everything for the first two weeks of pre-season, and he was being made into a meme machine. Well, now we turn it around in the Community Shield. Well, Nunez was a bit of a melon himself for his over celebrating, but ultimately, no, I'm like, not having
0: well, that. He was having a good vibe, and I enjoy people liking football, so I can't, I feel like that's all right.
2: <laughs> He'd listened but, to a um, podcast recently that had been uh, liking, likening
0: him went, to, work, to a.
1: <laughs> my dream is that someone does a post-match interview and says it. This is back to. I was given Melon another week last week and I just wanted to like <laughs> <laughs> respond to that. <laughs> That's my dream. But um yeah, Nunes obviously came out of that game very well and Holland didn't. Like the tide had turned. But now we get to the real business. And um I'm not sure if Holland will miss chances again like this, but he might do. It was a proper head in hands moment. Like
0: You kind of just want to get off the okay. mark as well, don't you? Like, he kinda like, right, had I'm I'm this in.
1: smile on his face and he's like, but it's like Oh, oh. It legitimately will not bother him. No, mm. of course it won't bother him. He's earning, like, this is the thing. It, sh- it shouldn't bother him. Like, you he, he can't get to the stage of your career where he is He's got his Percy pigs.
0: He's happy enough. He's got his <laughs> pigs.
1: But if it happens a couple of more times, people said this about Fernando Torres when he joined Chelsea for £50 million. Pounds. It was a guaranteed success story. When he joined, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe they managed to get Torres out of Liverpool. This sort of money, what an unbelievable sign-in. It didn't work out. It doesn't always work out. Now <laughs> I'm going down a dangerous path here. I th- I still think Erling Holland's gonna be absolutely fine at Man City. But because of the new the new rules of Men of the Week, the fact I'm gonna be harsh on anyone that's Missing chances or doing stupid tackles. I had a couple of people say, you've got to give Fred Mellon of the week because of his red card in preseason. I was like, you're right. I do actually have to
0: consider things like that right now. Calvin Bassey. Calvin Bassey is, is a contender, mm-hmm. I would say, this week. Came on in the uh, in the Dutch, well, equivalent of the Community shield, the Johan Cruyff shield. Um, and... It was it was too all when he came on. By the time he was sent off, fourteen minutes after coming on, um, he, they were four two down. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's about as bad as a debut you can get, I think. Yeah, um, so, so, so I would have had him in the conversation. I'll be anyway, honest.
1: I basically want to level things out between Liverpool and Man City before the season gets underway. So now I've now I've given both those guys like put them on the same platform. We'll just see how things go from here. I don't plan to give it to them again. Let's see. If I don't you think, think you'll
0: need to. If
2: you think this is going to save you from a Darwin hat-trick on the opening weekend of the season at the Cottage, you are very much mistaken, my friend. Oh, mate, he won't. He won't, couldn't hit a barn door.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, on that, on that. <laughs> very short, gibberish siren. Um, yeah. And you're sticking with you, DJ. Um, yeah, it's Sam did the main two sections. Yeah,
1: Sam's had a busy, busy day, so um i didn't really know what to do so i'm just going to do actors who represent foods that i really like um at number
2: it's for gibberish right (laughs) yeah i know when i checked you this morning i said mate can you cover a gibberish i've got a few things on this is the last thing i thought you'd come up with
0: i thought we were going with that worst premier league away kits of the season or something but no i'm I'm intrigued let's hear it number
1: three hal berry i love berries (laughs) Love berries. Um, strawberry, blueberry, <laughs> raspberry, blackberry. That's my <laughs> ranking. Of, and Halleberry. <laughs> that's my ranking of actual berries. Yeah, but the other top berry is Halleberry. Um, every time I see her, I just get that. Uh, my sweet tooth just starts to tingle a little bit. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need some fruit now. Can I need some
2: strawberries. This is some serious name, name association, mate.
1: Um, Number two is Brie Larson. Oh, fair play. <laughs> turkey cranberry and brie is my favorite
0: combination in a sandwich um, or just full stop <laughs> ever <laughs> sorry is it in a sandwich or just like kind of full stop? i think my favorite usually combination in a sandwich ever, to be fair there. i'd
1: love to cook an entire turkey get a load of cranberry though and a load of brie and smother it all together and just eat that for the whole the entirety of winter i think i'd be very content absolutely delicious combination yeah as for brie larson she's great uh, Room is one of my favorite movies, so that's cool. Yeah, um, and uh, of course, Avengers Endgame. I haven't seen it. Oh my um, god!
0: Oh, we're going back to Dean's Marvel hatred, are we?
1: Well, I tried to get into it. Remember, I got into two. I think I watched two. <laughs> <laughs> Off we <laughs> go. Number one, Kevin Bacon. Uh, of course. Look, as an actor, his EE adverts absolutely drive me mad. I think they're one of the worst things I've ever seen. But bacon is an absolute belter, so I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to admit, I don't eat that much bacon these days because I'm getting towards that stage of life where you have to be a bit careful about your red meat intake and things like this. And I don't particularly want cancer, and they seem to be some reasonably strong links between the two if you oh. eat bacon all, every day. Is um, bacon Does bacon not red I'm, meat? I-
0: I'm just also going to maybe like just say that that is not officially fact-checked. So uh, please don't take that. That's None of this is fact-checked.
1: The fact, yeah, red also, is not actually a red meat. Is it's is red, meat. red meat. Well, no, but bacon <laughs> is bad for you. There's no doubt well, about that.
2: Of course. It's fatty.
1: Yeah. So any of those kind of meats. The only meats I can really eat guilt-free is like chicken or turkey.
0: Or yeah, fish. but turkey is officially the worst meat. Is it? It's so rubbish. It's so it dry. dry. It
1: is. Oh, dry. I thought you meant like it was worse for you. Oh, oh I like no, turkey no. a lot.
0: Oh no, honestly, I. You know what? You. It's one of those weird ones because I was going to say this about the last thing, but we've come around to it anyway, so that's good. Um, it. It's one of those where at Christmas. Like every time turkey comes, I'm like, really? We're doing this again? We, we don't all do just that decided here. this is nonsense. Um, but I don't like. Brie, right? Because I don't really like cheese, um, which is my biggest downfall, I think, pr- maybe on planet Earth. Um, but it—it's one of those where I'm like, that sounds like at least you're getting like enough moisture into the turkey to to kind of stop it being the driest thing you know, of all time. It's, it's not like sandpaper when you're having your, mm. your Christmas dinner. Um, mm. But I would say maybe the most overrated food of what all. What about time. turkey bacon? Have you had that? Uh, no, yeah, but again, not as good as actual bacon. So um... not as good as bacon, but it's a bit healthier. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, bacon's great on a hangover, isn't it? Bacon sandwich bacon, when you're hungover. Sandwich. Also, bacon, bacon and in, sandwich. Is, is yeah, my, bacon is in America. F- I like. You know, it's that Canadian bacon, isn't it? It's a bit different. But the streaky stuff. Crisp. Streaky stuff. Yeah, I mean, imagine that's much, much worse for it's you. It's definitely worse menu. for you. It's. I
2: think it's like almost seventy percent fat. <laughs> it's just fat
1: that is just burnt. Yeah, and it's just like crispy, but I can't resist it when you oh, go so on holiday. You've and
0: added carcinogens that- to fat. Sounds like yeah. yeah. So I'd argue that maybe that's the one that we should maybe be writing Maybe that's the one that gives you cancer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would maybe make more sense. Maybe it? that's what
1: I've got in my head about that yeah the, the links. Um, but, this is um, why
0: Ranks FC is not a health and well being podcast.
1: No, no, take absolutely none of this as fact, apart from the fact that Kevin Bacon, Brie Larson, and Halle Berry are uh, my favourite actors, actresses who represent foods I really like.
0: Fantastic. Amazing. Very well argued. You didn't um, say that, coming, did you? Oh no, that was completely out of left. <laughs> that field, is gibberish. That, that is absolutely really coming from the blue. And bolt from the blue from Dean Jones and the Gibberish rankings is what we what we love here at Ranks FC. <laughs> um, thank you very much. And I think on that official bombshell, it's probably time to call this episode a day. All that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Sam Side for a wonderful main ranking. Cheers, mate thank you very much to Dean Jones for the chaos of that last bit <laughs> just I've been Jack <laughs> Collins this has been Ranks FC we hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, just remember you can listen back to our Bundesliga preview that came out on Monday it'll be just below this in your feed on Friday we're going to have a preview of French Liga and the Portuguese Primeira coming out and then next week we're going to be doing La Liga and Serie A as well all sorts of fun on the Ranks FC feed as we lead up to the new seasons across Europe's big leagues thank you so much for listening as ever and we will see you on Friday take it easy gang peace